Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. I'm here with Maggie, and we're going to talk a little bit about natural wines today. Thank you so much for joining us, Maggie. Happy to be here. So we've recently brought on a brand uh, that does a lot with natural wine. Is that correct? Yeah. uh, Anthony Alport, as a supplier, works a lot with natural wines. We launched um, the Seesaw lineup, which is... It's definitely not the first in our portfolio to be natural wines. But, um, you know, I think it brought up a lot of questions for... Uh, some of our staff. And so I thought it would be good to go over, you know, what is natural wine? What's the difference? And uh, why are people asking for it? For sure. Yeah. They were at the last GSM, I think. Mm -hmm. We got the opportunity to taste some of their wines and uh, they they were tasty. They were, you know, they definitely had uh, some confident flavors about them and uh, were easy to enjoy. So for the average user, uh, you know, a natural wine would be something that doesn't have a bunch of additives, right? But yeah. that's not necessarily what this means. Right. So natural wine as a category doesn't actually have any definitions. Hmm. So, you know, somebody could say that this wine is natural and be using chemicals in their vineyards or be using additives in the wines. So you really do have to ask specifics uh, consumers will ask for a natural wine, and oftentimes, what they mean by that is no additives are included during fermentation or post fermentation to find the wine. Oftentimes, they're looking for some sort of sustainability, organic, biodynamic practices in the vineyard. Any you know combination of those three, and you'll also be looking for uh, little or no sulfites added. Oftentimes, but that is one that I think people are kind of tending to stray away from as far as a natural wine uh, specific. The other thing that people will ask about is whether or not uh, yeast was added for fermentation or it fits native yeasts. So yeah, I mean, as far as like that goes, you will hear some winemakers say like, yes, our wine is natural. And it may mean that they are using a little bit of bentonite clay or egg whites for fining. Um, those are, you know, earthen products. They are very natural products. Bentonite clay, you know, is not a huge chemical process. And what you're doing there is just like finding out some of that haze that can happen during fermentation. Um, Same thing with egg white. It kind of clears up the wine so that it's that like beautiful. You can see through it. When we look at natural wines as a category, oftentimes people will be looking for something that does have a little bit of haze or some sediment at the bottom. And a lot of that is because they aren't using those finding aspects, right? So it's, it's a very like consumer visual thing. Uh, to an extent, because people are looking for that haze because they know if it has the haze, then likely it didn't have any of those finding products added to it. Similar to like when you get a a craft beer that has some sediment or something in the bottom, it hasn't been like super filtered or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Irish moss is like one of the, the finding filters that they use for or finding additives that they use for beer. So if they aren't using any of that, yeah, you're going to have a more hazy beer. Um, and so people will view that as a more natural beer, even though, you know, it's a pretty earthen product. That's fascinating. I didn't realize they used egg whites. 
Yeah, egg whites. I mean, it's it'll pull out the proteins. Mm-hmm. In like Argentina, way way back, they would use blood, like animal blood, to really fine. Mm-hmm. And so, check the date on the bottle. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want me pulling too many old old bottles of Argentinian wines. No, those are probably <laughs> clay bottles. Those are those yeah. are probably way way old. Um. Yeah. So I think. You know, it's it's something that when you're presenting natural wines to be very specific, talking about what is it that the winery is actually doing. So when you see a wine that's got a certified organic sticker on it, um, that there is little to very, like no to very, very little sulfites added into the wines. They can still use organic chemicals in the vineyard and they can still add yeast to the bottle. So that wine usually, it, it does have to be organic yeast, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean natural in the way that like natural wines try to create a, you know, a really like low intervention product for you. It's it's supposed to be right the rawest form of this agricultural product because we picked the grapes, we fermented them naturally with the yeast that exists in our winery or in the fields. It fermented as much as this product was going to. Sometimes, you know, you might have like a, a slightly sweet one because the yeast didn't totally finish it out, but this is all part of that natural process. So the nervous thing about making natural wine is that the yeast doesn't ferment it totally. And so you end up with stuck fermentations, um, which can just mean like, you know, you didn't get a totally dry red wine like you wanted and you've got some like leftover sugars or white wine or whatever. The yeast that fermented the wine let off some like off aromas. So you might have some that are like kind of eggy or taste a little bit like nail polish remover. And in the beginning of the natural wine movement, we had a lot of those come out into the market. A lot of those wines that, yeah, they were tasted like vinegar or like, you know, farts or something like that. And so people really started to kind of like think of natural wine as super funky. And you would always hear about people talking about natural wine funk. What we're seeing now is people moving towards natural wines that taste clean. So you know, they might not want, they're fine with some haze, but they don't want it to taste like vinegar. What they want is this Merlot to taste like Merlot, but they're okay if it is unfined, unfiltered. And with the natural aspect of it, do natural wines require refrigeration? No. Ah, Okay, because I was thinking a little bit of like, you know, like a kombucha or some of the some of the beers that are, you know, just a little bit more raw. Lots of times they require refrigeration for storage, but natural wines don't. So a lot of that has to do with uh, a secondary fermentation in the bottle. You're trying to I mean, with kombucha, those are like live probiotics they want to keep live so you keep it cold but for beer some of that is you know if you store it warm and there's any sort of like microbes um that could kind of do a secondary fermentation eat away at some of those extra sugars or carbohydrates that exist in the beer you'll end up with possibly like product exploding or aromas that you didn't expect to be there or just aging in a way that you didn't quite want um, natural wines, 
because it's wine and has a higher alcohol percentage, you have a little bit more uh, natural immunity to some of those microbes. That being said, a natural wine will age oftentimes quicker, but definitely more different without without the same amount of like confidence if you did fine and filter and you know the only thing that exists in this wine is you know alcohol and water and aromatics and a couple you know other whatever things that aren't going to ferment it natural wine does have the possibility to like oops we made a pet nap or something like that but because of that natural alcohol you're going to see it less and less that that's that's really interesting We can talk about, I mean, orange wines, I think oftentimes kind of get rolled into natural wines and pet gnats. So we can talk about those a little bit. Yeah. What is a pet gnat? So it's not like a fly that you. Well, we were. No. Yeah. A little pet gnat. (laughs) It lives three days. So it is. Well, you're going to love this because it's sparkling. Um, Pet gnats is the it's kind of like the oldest form of making uh sparkling wine some people call it uh method anastral so it's like the ancestral method basically the way you would do it is right before wine finishes its fermentation so there's a little bit of sugar left uh to go for the yeast to like eat it up you bottle it cork it and then you let that final fermentation happen in the bottle and then it'll be a naturally carbonated spritzed bottle. So where champagne like does that, then you add it back and you riddle and you disgorge. Pet nat is all natural. So you're going to have yeast at the bottom of the bottle. Sometimes it gets bubbly. Sometimes it doesn't. Like you don't know if it's going to work. You In France, you'll see it a little bit out of the Loire Valley. But where you see a lot of pet nats right now is, yeah, out of Australia, California, um, there's a couple producers doing it in Michigan. There's a couple people who do it with ciders. Um, but it is, I mean, essentially that's it. It's just finishing fermentation in the bottle to get that natural CO2. That's fascinating. Yeah. Seesaw wouldn't, wouldn't have anything like that. So Seesaw doesn't, but, um, We're going to get some options in the future with Anthony Alport for some pet gnats. Uh, One of them is with their more exclusive wine brand, Vandal. Um, It's three winemakers who have not disclosed who they are or where they get their fruit from, but they make some really interesting, very cool wines. Uh, And they have a pet gnat that they call Pet Bat. And (laughs) have a little bat on the label. It's super cute. Um, but that is one of the pet nuts that we have. Well, we have some, um, I think, out of Italy as well. That's way cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a fun sparkling option because it is different. It, you know, I think that there's an element of surprise to pet nuts and excitement when it works because you don't know. And you... I don't know, natural wines, you you watch them finish, you bottle it when it's ready. Pet gnats, you do everything before it's quite done. And then you just like pray. <laughs> it's a little bit of a gamble, but it's like, yeah. you know, high high reward, minimal right. risk. I mean, worst yeah. case scenario, you get a weird bottle. Sure. Yeah. But that oh, and then you say so it's funky. Cool. It's fine. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So are there any 
you know, general misnomers or misconceptions or just misunderstandings about natural wine that you think deserve to be squashed? I think the idea that natural wine is always going to be funky is one of those. I mean, and we tasted like Seesaw Syrah. And I mean, you taste that wine, it's a beautiful, cool climate Syrah. It's got peppery notes, it's fruit forward, it's, you know, balanced, it's not too acidic, it's nothing like how some people perceive natural wines. And I think that they think there's going to be a lot of barnyard characteristics or like it's going to smell like a horse or something like that. And there are people who are making very clean wines in an all natural way. Um, Bilar is another great example. So this is a producer we have out of Rioja and they are all natural. They use only concrete and barrel earthen products to do aging of the wines. It's all natural fermentation. They don't use any um, tractors in their fields. It's all plow horses. Everything is done by hand. It's all like head trained vines. So they are doing things as naturally as possible. They're off the grid. I mean, they use like solar power and windmills. And their wines are beautiful and clean and exactly how you would think like Grenache and, you know, Tempranillo from Rioja should taste. And so they're a great example of people who are doing things fully natural. But in the same regard, they do filter their wines, not to like sterile filtration, but they do do a little bit of filtration just to make sure that all sediment is out of the wines. So you are getting very clear, you know, see-through, clean-looking wines, clean-tasting wines, but made in an all-natural way. That's so cool. It's really cool. They're doing cool things. Well, and that's, yeah, we have we have a bunch of products and a bunch of brands that do really cool things that I feel like we never talk about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, having the opportunity to shed some light on brands that are using these practices and making really exceptional beverages and products and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're doing it now. <laughs> Good. Best time is now, right? And well, do you want to talk about orange wine real quick? Too? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, orange wine always gets pushed into natural wine category. So I know nothing um, about orange wine. So we'll go back a little bit real quick. Just do a quick, you know, this is how you make white wine, red wine, and then orange wine is kind of that like middle child. I say that as if no one knows about the middle child, but <laughs> I guess rosé is the middle child and then orange. I'm not going to keep going with this well, scenario. Is a redheaded stepchild? Is that Redheaded stepchild. We, we, we might cut that. I don't know. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we talk about redhead. Um, well, it's orange. So it's like the orange. The yeah, orange yeah, the orange, orange hair. Yeah, the redhead. Yeah. yeah. White wine is made by the grapes come into the winery. You take the grapes off of the stems. You don't always do this, but generally take the wine, the grapes off of the stems. You put those into the press, um, press the juice off of the skins, and then the juice goes into a tank. You ferment the juice, so on and so forth. White wine. Um, red grapes, you bring the fruit in, de-stem. Uh, crush the grapes up, ferment these crushed up grapes all together in a big vat. Um, when it's finished with fermentation or sometimes right before it's finished with fermentation, you throw it into the press. You press the now wine because it's fermented off of the skins. 
And then you have your finished red wine, right? And then that will go into an aging vessel of choice. Barrel, you know, tank, whatever. Orange wine is white wines that come in, you destem, you crush, it spends time with the skins fermenting as, you know, this big sloppy juice wine uh, skin mess. When it's done fermenting, you pull it to the press and you have your finished orange wine. So it's a white wine made like a red wine, basically. Uh, the reason why you don't do that with every white wine is A, because you're going to have all of that color impacted. So usually you'll see an orange wine and it does have kind of like a salmon tint to it. Sometimes it's a very orange tint, like the, the seesaw orange wine that we have, the Sam with them. Um, you know, that's a pretty orange coppery color. Uh, but the other reason is white wine skins are oftentimes uh, a bit thicker and more like bitter and astringent than red wine skins. So it changes the mouthfeel so much of the wine. White wines, you know, you sip it and it's juicy, it's acidic, but it doesn't do that same sort of drying aspect to your mouth that red wines do. That's called the stringency. It, you know, it sucks all the saliva out of your cheeks. Um, that comes from the skins. So orange wines will do that. It'll have that like grippy nature to it. Um, it's not for everybody. Not, you know, it's a, definitely a very different mouthfeel from what you expect out of white wines. And so it gets in its own category. Um, it's not a new method of making wine by any means. Like uh, a lot of orange wine has always been made in Georgia and continues to get made in Georgia. But you're seeing a resurgence in different regions with orange wines. So with an orange wine, you know, I feel like anytime that you have, you know, varietal, they'll have a list of things that it's good to pair with. Mm -hmm. um, would it be too um, vague or broad to say, you know, these items will typically pair well with an orange wine if we're talking about like an on-premise account? Um, so the fun thing about orange wine, like really fun to utilize during a dinner because you have that grippy aspect. So the thing with pairing tannins and that astringency is it loves fat. So that's why you have like these big red wines with like steaks and, you know, lamb and like really fatty meats. Um, no one makes mutton, but mutton would be a great example of something and then uh, orange wine, you can have a little bit more play as far as like with a really fatty dish. Interesting. Yeah. So you might choose like a more like lean meat to go with a white wine. You know, people talk about like chicken and fish and stuff like that. You might be able to do orange wine with more of like a rabbit or something that's got a little bit more fat that isn't super dark in flavor, but still has that like you know, fat backbone. Sure. Sure. Something that's got Sounds a little... dumb. I think an orange wine and a BLT would be great, but. <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing is that I, I feel like people typically uh, assume that if you're going to pair a wine with a food, like it has to be like a, an exotic food or one you wouldn't eat. I literally often. just said rabbit. Yeah. 
<laughs> I like pairing it with a BLT. I think that's way cool. I and like a a unique experience because you get to experience the food in a unique way and you experience the wine in a unique way. That's awesome. Here I got you. Pet nan popcorn, orange wine, and a BLT. <laughs> uh, uh, sold. Yeah. I yeah, because I, I I don't know that we've had the opportunity to I don't know that we've had anybody bring in orange wine to like a GSM since I've started um, or that we've had the chance to sample it or anything like that. Yeah. So a couple, I mean, if people are looking for it, Bilar does have uh, an orange wine there, Rioja Blanco. Mm. Um, that is an orange wine, depending on the vintage, we'll spend different amounts of time with the skins. Uh, it was only like four or five days this past one. So it's a really light amount of time that it's spent with the skins, but it's technically an orange wine. Um, Seesaw Sam, that is a proper orange wine, did fermentation with the skins. So you can taste the difference too. Like one is a little bit more like unctuous. It's got that like soft, big mouthfeel in the Bilar wine. But then the seesaw wine has that astringency. It's got that like tightness of the of the drying aspect. Which would be good for fats. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think this is a good one because natural has definitely been, you know, a category that has been growing. Um, it's been changing as far as what consumers' taste profiles are. And, you know, if people say things move from like the coast in they're still very natural wine driven on the coast. So I think we're going to continue to see that being something that's driving the market going forward. Well, and, you know, as you throw things into it, like, you know, organic regulations and, um, you know, at, at some point there I'm, I'm anytime that you get something that gets popular, eventually you find some regulation that sets in and goes, you know, Hey, this is what it is. And this is how we can make it better. Or, you know, uh, make it make take this and just purify it a little bit uh, yeah. for the consumer or for the, the varietal or whatever. Uh, and that, that's simply true with anything, I, anything at all. <laughs> um, so that'll that'll be really exciting to see moving forward and to see what people do with it. And do you have one that you're enjoying right now that you'd recommend people taste? I mean, I just spent this week with. Uh, Melanie Hickman, who's an owner of Bilar. So that's definitely one that I would try. They've got a couple different price points. They're Bilar wines, though. They have a, a Rioja Blanco and a Rioja Tinto. Those are both great intros. Uh, those are great ones to try and bring out to people as you know, people who are doing things as naturally as possible in the vineyard, in the winery as sustainably as possible and creating really beautiful, clean, varietally correct regional wines. I love it. All right. Thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us today and sharing this wonderful knowledge and ensuring that uh, our people here at Imperial know what we're doing, what we're talking about. So thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and thank you for listening to another episode of Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.